Section 15 of the Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Aeneid by Virgil. Translated by J. W. McHale. Book 8. The Embassage to Evander. Part 1. When Turnus ran up the flag of war on the towers of Laurentum, and the trumpets blared with harsh music, when he spurred his fiery steeds and clashed his armour, straightway men's hearts are in tumult. All Latium at once flutters in banded uprisal, and her warriors rage furiously. Their chiefs, Mesopus and Ufens and Mazentius, scorner of the gods, begin to enrol forces on all sides, and dispeople the wide fields of husbandmen. Venulus too is sent to the town of mighty Diomede to seek succour, to instruct him that Teucrians set foot in Latium, that Aeneas in his fleet invades them with the vanquished gods of his home, and proclaims himself the king summoned of fate, that many tribes join the Dardanian, and his name swells high in Latium. What he will rear on these foundations, what issue of battle he desires if fortune attend him, lies clearer to his own sight than to King Turnus or King Latinus. Thus was it in Latium, and the hero of Laomedon's blood, seeing it all, tosses on a heavy surge of care, and throws his mind rapidly this way and that, and turns it on all hands in swift change of thought, even as when the quivering light of water brimming in brass, struck back from the sunlight or the moon's glittering reflection, flickers abroad over all the room, and now mounts aloft and strikes the high-panelled roof. Night fell, and over all lands weary creatures were fast in deep slumber, the race of fowl and of cattle, when Lord Aeneas, sick at heart of the dismal warfare, stretched him on the river-bank, under the cope of the cold sky, and let sleep, though late, overspread his limbs. To him the very god of the ground, the pleasant Tiber stream, seemed to raise his aged form among the poplar boughs. Thick lawn veiled him with its grey covering, and shadowy reeds hid his hair. Thereon he addressed him thus, and with these words allayed his distresses. O born of the family of the gods, thou who bearest back our Trojan city from hostile hands, and keepest Troy towers in eternal life. O long looked for on Laurentine ground and Latin fields. Here is thine assured home, thine home's assured gods. Draw not thou back, nor be alarmed by menace of war. All the anger and wrath of the gods is passed away, and even now for thine assurance that thou think not this the idle fashioning of sleep, a great sow shall be found lying under the oaks on the shore, with her new-born litter of thirty head. White she couches on the ground, and the brood about her teats is white. By this token in thirty revolving years shall Ascanius found a city, Alba of bright name. My prophecy is sure. Now hearken, and I will briefly instruct thee how thou mayest unravel and overcome thy present task. An Arcadian people sprung of Pallas, following in their king Evander's company beneath his banners, have chosen a place in these coasts, 
and set a city on the hills called palantium after pallas their forefather these wage perpetual war with the latin race these do thou take to thy camp's alliance and join with them in league myself i will lead thee by my banks and straight along my stream that thou mayest oar thy way upward against the river up and arise goddess born and even with the setting stars address thy prayers to juno as is meet and vanquish her wrath and menaces with humble vows to me thou shalt pay a conqueror's sacrifice i am he whom thou seest washing the banks with full flood and severing the rich tilth glassy tiber best beloved by heaven of rivers here is my stately home my fountain head is among high cities thus spoke the river and sank in the depth of the pool night and sleep left aeneas he arises and looking towards the radiant sky of the sun rising holds up water from the river in fitly hollowed palms and pours to heaven these accents nymphs laurentine nymphs from whom is the generation of rivers and thou o father tiber with thine holy flood receive aeneas and deign to save him out of danger what pool soever holds thy source who pitiest our discomforts from whatsoever soil thou dost spring excellent in beauty ever shall my worship ever my gifts frequent thee the horned river lord of hesperian waters ah be thou only by me and graciously confirm thy will so speaks he and chooses two galleys from his fleet and mans them with rowers and with all equips a crew with arms and lo suddenly ominous and wonderful to tell the milk-white sow of one colour with her white brood is espied through the forest couched on the green brink whom to thee yes to thee queenly juno good aeneas offers in sacrifice and sets with her offspring before thine altar all that night long tiber assuaged his swelling stream and silently stayed his refluent wave smoothing the surface of his waters to the fashion of still pool and quiet mere to spare labour to the oar so they set out and sped on their way with prosperous cries the painted fir slides along the waterway the waves and unwonted woods marvel at their far gleaming shields and the gay hulls afloat on the river they outwear a night and a day in rowing ascend the long reaches and pass under the chequered shadows of the trees and cut through the green woodland in the calm water the fiery sun had climbed midway in the circle of the sky when they see afar fortress walls and scattered house roofs where now the might of rome hath risen high as heaven then evander held a slender state quickly they turn their prows to land and draw near the town it chanced on that day the arcadian king paid his accustomed sacrifice to the great son of amphitryon and all the gods in a grove before the city with him his son pallas with him all the chief of his people and his poor senate were offering incense and the blood steamed warm at their altars when they saw the high ships saw them glide up between the shady woodlands and rest on their silent oars the sudden sight appalls them and all at once they rise and stop the banquet pallas courageously forbids them to break off the rites snatching up a spear he flies forward and from a hillock cries afar o men 
what cause hath driven you to explore these unknown ways or whither do you steer what is your kin whence your habitation is it peace or arms you carry hither then from the lofty stern lord aeneas thus speaks stretching forth in his hand an olive bough of peace bearing thou seest men born of troy and arms hostile to the latins who have driven us to flight in insolent warfare we seek evander carry this message and tell him that chosen men of the dardanian captains are come pleading for an armed alliance pallas stood amazed at the august name descend he cries whoso thou art and speak with my father face to face and enter our home and hospitality and giving him the grasp of welcome he caught and clung to his hand advancing they enter the grove and leave the river then aeneas in courteous words addresses the king best of the grecian race thou whom fortune hath willed that i supplicate holding before me boughs dressed in fillets no fear stayed me because thou wert a grecian chief and an arcadian or allied by descent to the twin sons of atreus nay mine own prowess and the sanctity of divine oracles our ancestral kinship and the fame of thee that is spread abroad over the earth have allied me to thee and led me willingly on the path of fate dardanus who sailed to the teucrian land the first father and founder of the ilian city was born as greeks relate of electra the atlantid electra's sire is ancient atlas whose shoulder sustains the heavenly spheres your father is mercury whom white maya conceived and bore on the cold summit of selene but maya if we give any credence to report is daughter of atlas that same atlas who bears up the starry heavens so both our families branch from a single blood in this confidence i sent no embassy i framed no crafty overtures myself i have presented mine own person and come a suppliant to thy courts the same dornian race pursues us and thee in merciless warfare we once expelled they trust nothing will withhold them from laying all hesperia wholly beneath their yoke and holding the seas that wash it above and below accept and return our friendship we can give brave hearts in war high souls and men approved in deeds aeneas ended the other ere now scanned in a long gaze the face and eyes and all the form of the speaker then thus briefly returns how gladly bravest of the teucrians do i hail and own thee how i recall thy father's words and the very tone and glance of great anchises for i remember how priam son of leomedon when he sought salamis on his way to the realm of his sister hesione went on to visit the cold borders of arcadia then early youth clad my cheeks with bloom i admired the teucrian captains admired their lord the son of leomedon but anchises moved high above them all my heart burned with youthful passion to accost him and clasp hand in hand i made my way to him and led him eagerly to phineas's high town departing he gave me an adorned quiver and lycian arrows a scarf inwoven with gold and a pair of golden bits that now my palace possesses therefore my hand is already joined in the alliance you seek and soon as tomorrow's dawn rises again over earth i will send you away rejoicing in mine aid and supply you from my store meanwhile since you are come hither in friendship solemnize with us these yearly rites which we may not defer 
and even now learn to be familiar at your comrade's board. This said, he commands the feast and the wine cups to be replaced whence they were taken, and with his own hand ranges them on the grassy seat, and welcomes Aeneas to the place of honour, with a lion's shaggy fell for cushion, and a hospitable chair of maple. Then chosen men with the priest of the altar in emulous haste bring roasted flesh of bulls, and pile baskets with the gift of ground corn, and serve the wine. Aeneas and the men of Troy with him feed on the long chines of oxen and the entrails of the sacrifice. After hunger is driven away and the desire of food stayed, King Evander speaks. No idle superstition that knows not the gods of old ordered these our solemn rites, this customary feast, this altar of august sanctity. Saved from bitter perils, O Trojan guest, do we worship and most due are the rites we inaugurate. Look now first on this overhanging cliff of stone, where shattered masses lie strewn, and the mountain dwelling stands desolate, and rocks are rent away in vast ruin. Here was a cavern, awful and deep withdrawn, impenetrable to the sunbeams, where the monstrous half-human shape of Carcass had his hold. The ground was ever wet with fresh slaughter, and pallid faces of men, ghastly with gore, hung nailed on the haughty doors. This monster was the son of Vulcan, and spouted his black fires from his mouth as he moved in giant bulk. To us also in our desire time bore a god's aid and arrival. For princely Alcides, the avenger, came glorious in the spoils of triple Gerion slain, this way the conqueror drove the huge bulls, and his oxen filled the river valley. But savage Carcass, infatuate to leave nothing undared or unhandled in craft or crime, drives four bulls of choice shape away from their pasturage, and as many heifers of excellent beauty, and these, that there should be no straightforward footprints, he dragged by the tail into his cavern, the track of their compelled path reversed, and hid them behind the screen of rock. No marks were there to lead a seeker to the cavern. Meanwhile, the son of Amphitryon, his herds filled with food, was now breaking up his pasturage and making ready to go. The oxen low as they depart. All the woodland is filled with their complaint as they clamorously quit the hills. One heifer returned the cry, and lowing from the depth of the dreary cave, baffled the hope of Carcass from her imprisonment. At this the grief and choler of Alcides blazed forth dark and infuriate. Seizing in his hand his club of heavy knotted oak, he seeks with swift pace the airy mountain steep. Then, as never before, did we see Carcass afraid and his countenance troubled. He goes flying swifter than the wind and seeks his cavern. Fear wings his feet. As he shut himself in, and bursting the chains dropped the vast rock slung in iron by his father's craft, and blocked the doorway with its pressure, lo, the Tyrinthian came in furious wrath, and scanning all the entry, turned his face this way and that, and ground his teeth. Thrice, hot with rage, he circles all Mount Aventine. Thrice he assails the rocky portals in vain. Thrice he sinks down, outwearied in the valley. There stood a sharp rock of flint with sides cut sheer away, rising over the cavern's ridge a vast height to see, fit haunt for foul birds to build on. This, for sloping from the ridge it leaned on the left towards the river, he loosened, 
urging it from the right till he tore it loose from its deep foundations then suddenly shook it free with the shock the vast sky thunders the banks leap apart and the amazed river recoils but the den carcass's huge palace lay open and revealed and the depths of gloomy cavern were made manifest even as though some force tearing earth apart should unlock the infernal house and disclose the pallid realms abhorred of heaven and deep down the monstrous gulf he descried where the ghosts flutter in the streaming daylight on him then surprised in unexpected light shut in the rocks recesses and howling in strange fashion alcides from above hurls missiles and calls all his arms to aid and presses hard on him with bows and enormous millstones and he for none other escape from peril is left vomits from his throat vast jets of smoke wonderful to tell and enwreathes his dwelling in blind gloom blotting view from the eyes while in the cave's depth night thickens with smoke bursts in a darkness shot with fire alcides broke forth in anger and with a bound hurled himself sheer amid the flames where the smoke rolls billowing and voluminous and the cloud surges black through the enormous den here as carcass in the darkness spouts forth his idle fires he grasps and twines tight round him till his eyes start out and his throat is drained of blood under the strangling pressure straightway the doors are torn open and the dark house laid plain the stolen oxen and forsworn plunder are shown forth to heaven and the misshapen carcass dragged forward by the feet men cannot satisfy their soul with gazing on the terrible eyes the monstrous face and shaggy bristling chest and the throat with its quenched fires thenceforth this sacrifice is solemnized and a younger race have gladly kept the day potitius the inaugurator and the pinarian family guardians of the rites of hercules have set in the grove this altar which shall ever be called of us most mighty and shall be our mightiest evermore wherefore arise o men and wreathe your hair with leafy sprays and stretch forth the cups in your hands call on our common god and pour the glad wine he ended when the twy-coloured poplar of hercules hid his shaded hair with pendulous plaited leaf and the sacred goblet filled his hand speedily all pour glad libation on the board and supplicate the gods meanwhile the evening star draws nigher down the slope of heaven and now the priests went forth potitius at their head girt with skins after their fashion and bore torches of flame they renew the banquet and bring the grateful gift of a second repast and heap the altars with loaded platters then the salii stand round the lit altar fires to sing their brows bound with poplar boughs one chorus of young men one of elders and extol in song the praises and deeds of hercules how first he strangled in his gripe the twin terrors the snakes of his stepmother how he likewise shattered in war famous cities troy and Icalia how under eurystheus the king he bore the toil of a thousand labours by juno's malign decrees thine hand unconquered slays the cloud-born double-bodied race hylius and pholus the cretan monster and the huge lion in the hollow nemean rock before thee the stygian pools shook for fear before thee the warder of hell couched on half-gnawn bones in his blood-stained cavern 
to thee not any form was terrible not typhius's self-towering in arms thou wast not bereft of counsel when the snake of learner encompassed thee with thronging heads hail true seed of jove deified glory graciously visit us and these thy rites with favourable feet such are their songs of praise they crown all with the cavern of carcass and its fire-breathing lord all the woodland echoes with their clamour and the hills resound thence all at once the sacred rites accomplished retrace their way to the city the age-worn king walked holding aeneas and his son by his side for companions on his way and lightened the load with changing talk aeneas admires and turns his eyes lightly round pleased with the country and gladly on spot after spot inquires and hears of the memorials of earlier men then king evander founder of the fortress of rome in these woodlands dwelt fauns and nymphs sprung of the soil and a tribe of men born of stocks and hard oak who had neither law nor grace of life nor did they know to yoke bulls or lay up stores or save their gains but were nurtured by the forest boughs and the hard living of the huntsman long ago saturn came from heaven on high in flight before jove's arms an exile from his lost realm he gathered together the unruly race scattered on the mountain heights and gave them statutes and chose latium to be their name since in these borders he had found a safe hiding place beneath his reign were the ages named of gold thus in peace and quietness did he rule the nations till gradually there crept in a sunken and stained time the rage of war and the lust of possession then came the ausonian clan and the tribes of sicania and many a time the land of saturn put away her name then were kings and fierce thybris with his giant bulk from whose name we of italy afterwards called the tiber river when it lost the true name of old albula me cast out from my country and following the utmost limits of the sea fortune the omnipotent and irreversible doom settled in this region and my mother the nymph carmentus's awful warnings and apollo's divine counsel drove me hither scarce was this said next advancing he points out the altar and the carmental gate which the romans call anciently by that name in honour of the nymph carmentus seer and soothsayer who sang of old the coming greatness of the aeneidae and the glory of palantium next he points out the wide grove where valiant romulus set his sanctuary and the lupercal in the cool hollow of the rock dedicate to lycian pan after the manner of parasia therewithal he shows the holy wood of argiletum and calls the spot to witness as he tells the slaying of his guest argus hence he leads him to the tarpeian house and the capital golden now of old rough with forest thickets even then men trembled before the wood and rock this grove he cries this hill with its leafy crown is a god's dwelling though whose we know not the arcadians believe jove himself hath been visible when often he shook the darkening aegis in his hand and gathered the storm clouds thou seest these two towns likewise with walls overthrown relics and memorials of men of old this fortress lord janus built this saturn the name of this one was once janiculum 
of that saturnia with such mutual words they drew nigh the house of poor evander and saw scattered herds lowing on the roman forum and down the gay carinae when they reached his dwelling this threshold he cries alcides the conqueror stooped to cross in this palace he rested dare thou my guest to despise riches mould thyself to like dignity of godhead and come not exacting to our poverty he spoke and led tall aeneas under the low roof of his narrow dwelling and laid him on a couch of stuffed leaves and the skin of a libyan she-bear night falls and clasps the earth in her dusky wings End of section 15